Hey listeners, it's episode three and on this one I will be chatting with someone who is very close to me, in fact my nephew, he comes from Generation Z or Generation Z. We talk about our anxiety, how do we deal with that, we talk about also panic attacks and how to manage them and how do we cope with them, but also we talk about the power of positivity and what that means. So let's settle in and let's enjoy the chat. Hi Dylan, welcome to the podcast. We know each other quite well, don't we? Because you're my nephew. you're my uncle, I'd like to think so, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. you're my nephew, you're my nephew, yes, right. absolutely. Yeah. So welcome to the Let's Go Mental podcast and thanks for coming on. You have a mixed heritage, don't you? So you've got a bit of South Asian heritage and you've got um, kind of a Scottish... Dad's half Irish, half Scottish. So that yeah. actually in fact makes me... Quarter Irish, quarter Scottish, half Indian, which I found <laughs> out not long ago. Oh wow! Um, so yeah. Okay. Well, there you go then. Um, let's talk a little bit about that kind of South Asian side of you. Did you ever feel that there are any expectations kind of put on you from? Oh, hundred percent. Did you? And what? And... I mean, not not necessarily in terms of like. I wouldn't say. Um, I didn't feel pressure. I don't feel pressure. Um, I just do things at my own pace. Yeah. But like growing up, obviously, I'm not an academic kid. Yeah. I've never been an academic kid. I, was, I played semi-professional football. So yeah. for me, school was never my kind of forte. Yeah. So with that, I, you know, you know, when I was, I think I was, what, 11, 12, 13, I started yeah. to Fulham. Yeah. And it was after that that um, just a lot of things caught up with me and I decided to stop playing when I turned 16. Yeah. Um, so when it, when, when it came to school, uh, I just felt a lot of pressure just to do well. I, I mean, I wouldn't say pressure again, but I mean, it was kind of, it was like on my shoulders to do well. Yeah. Because um, obviously everyone else kind of did. And it was kind of like, I knew that I wasn't academic, yeah. but I still put my all in. I came out with some decent grades. I'm not yeah. going to pretend they were great, but yeah. I still done what I did. And, you know, here I am. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, I, I talked about this in a, a previous podcast with my friend Chris in the sense that although it wasn't said that you've got to be this, you've got to be that, or you've got to, I mean, I think getting the grades like you, I think there was that kind of implicit pressure, if that makes sense, where nothing was really said as such, but you felt it, that yeah. you had to get the grades and that academia was probably the only route that was looked upon as being the way to getting to where you need to get to and, and, and some proof of success. So, um, and I know I didn't, I mean, I kind of did well at school and I kind of didn't do well at school. And, and when we talked, when I talked about this with my friend, it was interesting how he mentioned that um, if I'd gone to a different school in a different environment, I probably would have really been motoring. And, and that was a massive compliment. And I, But you went to quite a decent school, though. So I guess, I, but um, I know you've had some life challenges as well, to be fair. Well, I, so, you know, I went to some secondary schools. I went to Elliot, uh, formerly <laughs> Elliot. It is now Putney Academy. Um, and then that was in year seven and then after year seven I moved to Chelsea Academy which was probably one of the best things that could have happened yeah. um, you know I fell in with the wrong crowd and I was at Elliot still playing football um, just my friends weren't necessarily my friends it was more one of those things where uh, they were like people I went to school with and we would chill but we weren't necessarily friends like they would do they would, we would do stupid shit essentially uh, which, <laughs> yeah. which would get us in trouble you know yeah. like we got chased out we got chased out of um, Yarndale or Southside in Wandsworth. Right. Yeah. Um, by security. For literally, I, I can't even remember what we did, but it was something so stupid. I think we set off a sting bomb in KFC. It was <laughs> something that stupid. Right. But, but enough to cause like, mayhem. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So we, we never really had like 
a kind of friendship. So then when I went to Chelsea Academy, I, I'm still friends with the people I was friends with in yeah. year eight. Like we've been friends for what, like eleven years nearly. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I, I think I kind of just jumped in with them, meshed with them, yeah. and you know, here I am. I, I don't really know how to explain it. it was like I just fell into the right crowd and with the right people and at the right time. Yeah, I mean that, that's that's the thing, isn't it? Because when we're younger, we're we're more likely to make mistakes, and I think we can probably recover from those mistakes at that at that age. I think, but it's. I feel like the younger you are, sorry to cut you off. No, I feel right. like the younger you are with making mistakes, the easier it will be for you to learn from them when you get older. Yeah, that's so. When point. you're like when you're like 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, they're the kind of years that you're thinking, right, okay, like I can kind of go from 9 to 13, you can kind of mess about and kind of like do whatever. Then it comes yeah. to like year nine, which is like when you turn 14. Um, I feel like that's the year you kind of need to set your president, which is like, okay, I need to do this. Right. I need to be able to do this. And I want to do that in the future. That's the kind of years that you need to be able to sit there and go, right, okay, I know what I'm doing. I'll know what I want to do. Yeah. Or not necessarily know what you want to do, but have an inkling of where you want to like kind of pursue your interest. Yeah. Um, so for me, again, foot, like football, I thought was going to be my route out. So I didn't take anything from anyone. Like yeah. when it came to teachers, I used to, I used to talk back to them. And I was like, bro, in like 10 years, I'll be earning triple what you do in a week. And it was Jesus Christ is is complete opposite. Is yeah. is is um yeah, it's 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 a uh, it's a bit of a a learning curve. It's one of those things. Yeah, a bit of a learning curve. I'd say. <laughs> I wouldn't say a learning curve. It was more like a a vertical drop. It was kind of like. But that's your idealism, isn't it? When you're young, you kind of think you're invincible and you can do anything, and you've got that confidence, and you don't, you just don't think about the big stuff because you're. I guess you kind of feel immortal, don't you? You feel like. I can do anything and I will be anything. But yeah, there's a reality that hits you probably not at that moment, but probably a bit later on. And you kind of go, Oh my God. It, it's kind of, it kind of hits you, you yeah. know, you get to a point and it really does just hit you, you know? And that kind of brings us on to the next question. So you talked a little bit about how you kind of fell in with the wrong crowd and in, in one school and you kind of realized that. And then by moving to a different school, you, Obviously, you've got a fantastic... And in fact, I know most of your mates there. There are really a fantastic bunch of people, by the way, guys, uh, listeners. They really genuinely are. And that brought, brings me on to this kind of question. So there's a bit of a cultural element to it, of course, because we're both from South Asian backgrounds and there's this element of kind of fitting in and do we... You know, is there is there a mould that we should have come from? But then equally, you've got another experience in that, you know, you have your mates are quite diverse. You've, you're, you've come from a diverse heritage. So in terms of you, and, and obviously this then kind of feeds into the more wider talk we're going to have about mental health and, and where we both are, I guess, today. But did you ever feel that you, you struggled to fit in or did you ever feel that you weren't or you were accepted as you were um, looking at? I mean, you're a pretty young guy still, right? So <laughs> you haven't exactly got this no, massive even, wealth of experience even, to draw from. Even, even still, I've got more experience than a lot of people that have done Definitely. my age of some of the things I've done and where the relations I've been. One of my biggest things is like being able to, I fit in kind of near enough everywhere. Like I can yeah. just slide into a group and be part of it. Like I'm not, I'm not someone that feels kind of intimidated by social situations, nor do I feel pressured at work. I kind of just slide in, do what I have to do and kind of leave it at that. I don't really talk about uh, anything rest, that goes right? on, but I'm, yeah, exactly. I just kind of do my thing and yeah. then just, yeah, you know what I mean. I do because I know you from a different. I mean, I know you from a three sixty kind of degree point of view, if that makes sense. I know you from all your angles because obviously I'm related to you. I've watched you grow up, 
and you know I, I've seen him in many different situations. So I I have a obviously a biased view of you because I care about your love you. I think you know the world of you. Um, but equally, I do understand at times. You know, like we'll go to these social events. Do you remember we'll go to these social events which were typically kind of family community orientated. And I, I struggle to understand whether I fit it in or not because you, I just felt very alien in those environments, right? So now we've been to a couple of weddings and they were just for it. For me, they, were, they just felt surreal. Although they were great, fun, wonderful events, I just felt very kind of, I don't know if I really should be here because I, I don't get all this. I get the fun, the laughter, the joy, but I just don't understand the people. Uh, that, um, know, yeah. I mean, I get that completely. I'm not like... It, it, talking along the lines of those kind of events, I mean, recently I went to my granddad's funeral um, in Glasgow, and it's kind of like, I know it's not the same kind of atmosphere, but at the same time, it's kind of one of those things where I haven't seen a lot of my family that on that side yeah. in, in literally since I was a baby. So in, in the terms of kind of like people are now looking at me thinking, like, what? How is who? How yeah. how are you like this now? We haven't seen you for literally twenty odd years. Um, so it was it was it was weird. It was a bit of a weird situation for me because it's like I'm I'm just there to obviously you know support my family and be there. Obviously say my mum say my goodbyes to my granddad. But um, at the same time, it was kind of like it was it was it was weird but nice to see my family. But it was one of those where it was kind of like it was a bit of a shock where it was like, damn, I really really haven't kept in touch with any of you. And, and um, it, so that's it, right. So that's a really good point because now you're looking at the other side because so that does bring in that question of like fitting in. So I know. I don't know, when we go on family trips and stuff like that, you, you kind of, you're fated a bit. Oh my God, we haven't seen you guys in like 10 years or whatever. You're fated a yeah. bit. And I guess that's the same feeling, I guess, from what you're telling me and describing, you also had when you went up recently for a very sad um, event. And that's that's never a good kind of good reason to go up anywhere, really. But Oh, no, but it's like, no, no matter what, where I go, um, who I'm with, I'll always fit. It's, it, it doesn't bother me. Like, no matter, like... It, my opinion regarding on who I'm with it's the same thing regardless yeah. like uh, just because I haven't seen my family in forever that doesn't mean I'm still going to be I mean I'm not necessarily that doesn't mean I'm going to change uh, who I am no and you shouldn't um, you shouldn't they, you? they see they, they, they haven't seen me since I was a kid they know the kid me still playing football whatever. now yeah. I'm rugby and now I'm you know doing whatever um, so it's like they, it, it was nice it, it, like it was nice to finally have a conversation with them and have, yeah. have, a, have an adult conversation with them yeah and reconnect, you know I mean? right? And reconnect, or not yeah, reconnect, exactly. but just make those connections stronger, maybe. Well, yeah, it's, it also comes down to one of those things where it's like fitting in. Is I've always been, I've always been a part of the family, always will be, yeah. regardless of how many times I've seen, yeah. how often I speak to them, they're still family. Again. No, that, that, and it's nice to, it's really nice to hear that. I know for London branch of our Asian, our Asian family, we don't have a massive. We don't have a massive kind of uh, big family here as such. But in those sorts of events, I mean, describe maybe, I mean, how did you feel? I mean, what what was, what were the challenges, do you think? Do you, I mean, I know. Uh, I mean, instantly off the bat, like, I'm the eldest grandson. So um, my my younger cousin, Ryan, who, who's like my little brother, like me and him are so close. Um, I was staying with my uncle at the time. Yeah. And it was just me and him. And we kind of like, we sat there. Uh, we just come back from the pub. And as you do we kind of yeah well yeah <laughs> it's Glasgow for God's sake yeah. um, so we were sat in the, we were sat in the living room we were having a conversation he was like it's and he said to me he was like it's the, sh- it's the shittest of situations but we're glad that you're here I'm glad that you're here and he yeah. broke down into his and it wow. was kind of like that's important right was, yeah well the fact that he can open up to me and say to me like wow. yeah 
because I again I live in London. They're they're all in Glasgow. Glasgow they're a lot yeah. tighter knit than than what I am with them. But you know that I felt that I felt a bit of pressure in terms of having to like keep a brave, like keep a strong face on. I, yeah, I mean, it, I, it all ties in with how I feel at the time. But yeah. like I I I didn't cry, and and then this is such a negative thing to say, but I didn't cry until we actually got to hold like to carry the coffin. Um, so yeah, it was like we we went up. We carried the coffin, me, my uncles, yeah. and my two cousins. And when we walked in, just socially distanced, we sat down, and everyone, everyone, there wasn't, there wasn't a dry eye in the house. Is what it was. And then you know we went up and blessed the coffin, and it was at that point I kind of yeah. went up, said a little prayer, and, and you know through the holy water, and walked back, and I could just see everyone was kind of like almost proud because it was you know I've got to kind of now take the reins of. My name, you know, I've still got my, my dad and yeah. my uncle, but I'm now the next generation. So yeah. it's a bit like we've lost one generation. Now it's, I'm the second generation in line. It I'm, felt a bit yeah. weird. It's kind of like a, it's like walking up the steps or down the steps to kind yeah. of like reality again. So Yeah, that's tough. And I am, you know, I remember hearing the news and I was deeply sorry to hear that. It's uh, I know how much that had affected you. And mm. you know, I think you've grown from it as well, which is which is amazing. And and that thing about showing emotion, it sometimes is difficult because grief hits us at different times and, and and unexpectedly as well. We're never sure when it's actually going to hit us. Where it's like, you know, my dad, your grandfather, he's a pretty stoic guy. You know, we've had a, our own, as you know, we've had a, our own uh, passing in the family recently. And um, yeah. with your nana uh, or dada, depending on which, you know, how you look at it, or your grandfather, you know, he's pretty stoic in the sense that he's like a, you know, he's a solid solid guy but um i know that you know and you know that emotionally he's he's in a bit of turmoil because he's obviously his younger brother's passed away and he's he's computating it all and he you know there's an element of him missing him deeply which um you can feel you know when you give him a hug the warmth that emanates from knowing that he needed that you feel yeah. it you know and it's really tangible but yeah he's uh, you know he's a typical kind of asian <laughs> south asian kind guy of keeps, keeps, keeps that strong keeps that strong face and yeah. doesn't let anyone in. Yeah. Like when you, you you may not know this, but like one of the very few times I've seen him cry was at, um I think it was my sixteenth yeah. birthday. Yeah. We just had a conversation and he was he broke down in tears and I was I, I, I instantly was like, Okay, what do I do here? <laughs> and I just started crying and it was like, Okay, yeah. now what? That was a lot like, of love. That, yeah, no no no, it's, it's always yeah. love. It's all love. It's pure, like, pure I don't, I don't I don't come up and see him as much as I'd like to. You know, with, with prior commitment, with rugby and football and, and yeah. work and stuff, it's and COVID, hard for me to kind of find that. Well, yeah, well, yeah, exactly. COVID's making um, it really difficult at the moment for anyone to connect with anybody. To, exactly, it's hard to find the time to to you know do anything. Um, yeah, spend that quality time with your family, right? Exactly. But one thing I will say is, is a phone call goes a long way. Um, I mean, the last time I spoke to my granddad, who's unfortunately not with us, yeah. um, was in July. I wow. phoned him and said, oh, I'm going to be coming up okay. now the lockdown's over. And he passed away in the middle of August. So it's wow. kind of, I'm glad Awful. I got that phone, that phone call in and we had a conversation. So, uh, you know what I mean? And I think that's the thing. I mean, there's a, the, we again, this is another theme that keeps coming up. And I think in other podcasts, the same thing probably come up about how important connection is in terms of to keep us sane, really, and to know that we feel love and that, it, it, it is going to be okay. It gives us some sort of kind of 
pressure release valve, if that makes sense. You know, yeah. when you're feeling pretty low or when I, I know from my own experience, you've seen me at my lowest and, and at my best, the simplest things make the biggest the biggest world of difference. It's that connection yeah. and someone just being there saying it's going to be OK or rather, look, don't worry, I'm here. Just whatever you need or, you know, whatever the words are that usually come out of people's mouths when you're in need of the help, they're, they're, they're always the right thing is said and right thing is done and it doesn't have to be anything. It's just the fact that the presence is there or that text or phone call is just made to make them aware of, you know, make you aware that they're there and it kind of gives you such a lift, doesn't it? It oh, does yeah, give no, you such 100%. a lift. Yeah. Know, knowing that you have people around you that you can rely on if need be Definitely. Is, um, is one of the biggest things, I think. Then, you know, so I, obviously you, I have anxiety and depression and uh, I have my good days and my bad days and I have my fantastic days and I have my not so fantastic and everything in between. Mm. You suffer from anxiety uh, and you've kind of recently, I would say recently, I think it's been a couple of years now, isn't it, where that's been kind of diagnosed and it's something you're more aware of. I think you became more aware of recently. Um, yeah, it was 20... 20- 16 yeah, end of 2016 i think four years right or um no it was 20 end it was end of 2015 wow fact. okay but yeah that i finally found out that i had anxiety it was it was one of those things where like i never i've never like you know you know what i was like when i was a kid i was never the kind of kid to like really stress about things and worry yeah no um, you, you didn't then no but i think as you've got older i think this is a a, a trait with the self-awareness comes as you get older yeah and that's the hardest bit i think that's the hardest bit you become more aware of all sorts of stuff and it kind of eats into your brain and you just get yourself into a bit of an entanglement and that's where overthinking comes from that's it yeah and you start and you just and and it's all completely irrational right because oh yeah well uh, most of the time anyway yeah like where the, the reason uh i got i, I got diagnosed with anxiety was i had a panic attack right that felt like i was dying Right. He just um, was. I I came over from the gym in a snack, like a high protein snack. Yeah. And uh, there was something in it that I googled, and then it was linked to like uh, there was obviously it was like the, the furthest thing from any kind of close link. It was yeah. Like, it was ridiculous, but as soon as you see one particular word, it associates with what what well, it kind of like the baggage it comes with it so yeah. kind of associate it with that instantly and then that was the kind of thing that set me off yeah and then i just fainted in the living room like i literally just passed out right and then i woke up with a needle in my arm from the ambulance and then i was just tripping out i was like what the hell is going on yeah. and they were like nah you're cool you just had a panic attack and then from that point onwards i started to really really feel like everything was kind of collapsing on me i just didn't feel good at all yeah um i was worried about everything like getting a train you know, I would do every day for college. It became such a big thing where, like, I would have this thing where I would put my bag on the seat next to me just so no one could sit next to me, and I would just chill and I'd have my music on, and yeah. that would be my comfort. And then going to college, you wouldn't talk to anyone. And then, um, and then I remember there was one day I like, I think I think I rolled my ankle playing football, and it was the thing of like, this is my anxiety. It was I, I was very much a hypochondriac, so I instantly felt the worst. I thought I broke my foot. <laughs> It seems like nothing, but at the time... It's a big thing, yeah. Yeah, when you're 15, it's like... I didn't know any better. I was... Oh, no, sorry, I was 17. Sorry. I think back to five years ago, I still think I'm 20. (laughs) Yeah, Um, I think you're regressing because it's a slightly easier time. (laughs) Yeah, no, I want to go back. I miss it. Um, But, yeah, no, it was one of those things where 
um, it opened up to me and I was just kind of like, bro, I didn't even know this existed. I had no idea. And right. there was people around me that were like going through it and I, I didn't, you know, I, I mean, obviously I paid attention, but I didn't know depth. Yeah. So it was kind of like, it was one of those things that when it hit me, I was kind of like, oh shit, you like, deal with this on a regular. How? Like, teach me. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I remember, like, I would, I'd had, uh, I, I did have a panic attack many, many, many years ago. I kind of literally went across the road to our neighbours, had a cup of tea and I sort of relaxed and chilled and my heart rate just wouldn't go down. I was like, really kind of like, oh my God, what's going on? I can't calm down. I'm in a really relaxed situation and my mind's just racing. Yeah. And then... That's what it was for me. It was like, I thought, the, I thought the worst. I thought I was having a heart attack. That's exactly how it feels. Your chest feels tight. You just can't breathe. Yeah. You start to kind of feel like dizzy. And and then, yeah, some people, like in your, your instance, you just completely, you know, your body just kind of said, oh, we need a break. The circuit breaker was obviously pressed and, you know, you fainted and, and, and I guess collapsed. But yeah, when, I, when I've had them, I've had them in strange places, like on a, on a bus going just going to the shops i'm perfectly fine in the moments coming up to it. then all of a sudden there's this kind of sudden surge of like oh my god what the hell you know like the world's about to kind of fall yeah. apart or something like that and then all of a sudden the physical manifestations of that you know you, your breathing becomes kind of like rapid and you then you start kind you're of sweating yeah it's awful yeah, yeah it's awful and I've you just always, can't calm down i've always thought of it as kind of like you know when you're swimming in the sea you know it's all nice and calm and then once you kind of like step out of your comfort zone, which is like going out further into the sea, it's like the waves start to overcome you. That's kind of what I feel like it is with anxiety. It just yeah. hits you all at once and you can't do anything about it. Obviously, there's things that can help. Um, but yeah, it's one of those things. That it, just, it just hits you out of nowhere and it's kind of like it just overpowers you. And yeah. you have to just succumb to it because there's nothing you can do to fight it off. It's horrible, isn't it? It is one of those oh, yeah. horrible feelings and like... Yeah, it's it's awful. It's not great, and you do literally think you're going to die. Yeah, kind of, no, that's yeah. You do think, oh my god, what's going on? Is this a heart attack? Am I? Is this it? You know, and often, obviously, it's not. Don't want them to happen, but when they do, and you have a few of them, you kind of get the idea of what to do to calm down and try and regulate your breathing and try and just focus on something and just get your mind off everything else, so your mind doesn't start dominating the way, dominating you really, and just controlling you for those moments, and then you kind of end up in a right old heap i guess is in a way to describe it but it is awful yeah, yeah and it's it's challenging isn't it it is really challenging at times and and i think there's a i was lucky in that you know at the time i've got people around me who kind of understood what's going on because i talked to them about it and they kind of were like okay just breathe just breathe you know just calm yeah. down let's get you somewhere sit down just close your eyes don't think about anything if you can just try and do your do your best to relax and, and all you know they they, they, every, they can do everything they can and ultimately it is down to you you just got to find a way to get your mind off that kind of awful kind of you know roundabout you're on you're just going round and round in circles about something and it just you can't get to, you can't stop it basically but how do you i mean when you do have your panic attacks what what have you learned to do to help I mean, if you haven't got anyone around you, it's the worst thing ever because you don't have anyone to kind of focus on, but to help you get um, away from it. Well, what do you do? I mean, what are your tips and suggestions um, maybe? It honestly just depends. Like if I'm, I've had a panic attack on the bus before, like on my way to work. Right, yeah. Um, They're not the best. One of my, no, God, no. Yeah. <laughs> People are like looking at you like, are you all right? And, and you're sort of going, like, no, just leave me, a, no, I actually want help, but I don't know how to ask for it because you lot are strangers yeah. <laughs> and you won't get what's like, going on. Yeah, no, exactly. So for me, it's like that. I remember one particular time I literally got off the bus. It was must have been about half eight at night. I just finished work. This is when I worked in the in the school I used to work in. Yeah, because you used um, to be a sports teacher, right? Yeah, I was basically on my way to being a PE teacher. Yeah, and um, COVID came and ruined that for me. Yeah, and then 
Yeah, so I was on my way back from, from work. We just finished a football tournament on a Saturday. Mm-hmm. And just getting the bus home like I normally would, headphones in, on the phone to someone, uh, hung up the phone, listened to music. I was just on the bus, and I think I got to, I think I was near enough at Baker Street. Wow. And there was a lot of traffic, and I was kind of like, well, okay, I have stuff to do. Like, I need to get home. I was going out that night, so I kind of wanted to get home, get ready. Um, so that started to set in a little bit, and then it got to the point where I literally just sat there and my chest just tightened up and I was having a panic attack and I, rec- I recognised it early. So I got off the bus and I decided to, for some reason, I decided to jog all the really? way from Baker Street to Shepherd's Bush. Wow. And Did I that help? Like the first, yeah, no, the first like two minutes of that were kind of like, okay, your chest is still tight, but you know that's because you're running. And then the music kicked in and I feel like it was just one of those things where it just, it clicked. And I was, and then I was just running. And, I, and by the time I'd realised, I was listening to, I think I was listening to Taylor Swift. And then it ended up, and then I ended up at like Shake It Out, right? Gate. Yeah. Oh no, no, no. It was, it was love story. It was, it was a proper good one. And okay. then um, I ended up at Notting Hill Gate, and then, and then I realised I was like ten minutes away from Shepherd's Bush, so I just jogged the rest of the way. So do you and think by changing like, your focus? Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you there. I, do you, do you by changing your focus helped you get out of that panic attack? Pulling yourself out of the situation is the easiest way to deal with it, I think. But it's if, all, yeah, you know, but... that's one. That's just one particular example. I, it can happen anywhere. It could be, you know, at home, yeah. at work. For me, if I'm at home, like during lockdown, I had several and my depression kicked in. Right. Um, obviously during lockdown. And kind of like my escape was playing games with my friends. Like, you know, just playing some FIFA, playing some, yeah. playing some Call of Duty. You're a big gamer, aren't you? You're a big gamer. Big, big gamer. Yeah, yeah. big nerd. Um, and, um, not that much of a nerd trust me <laughs> no, well, I mean yeah I haven't got the Warhammer but, oh easy um, easy now easy that's a step too far that's a step too far <laughs> um, but yeah no so like my escape was just kind of like taking myself out of the situation you know built yeah. a home gym with my stepdad uh, and ended up using that near enough every day started yeah. going for runs walking the dogs and coming home and then like you know texting the boys and saying oh right let's just get a few games in and it was it, it for each of us i've spoken to a few of my friends about it as well we all kind of just said it's like with everything that's going on this this is the best part of the day so looking because forward to you you just immerse yourself in something completely different you take your focus yeah. away from whatever's happening in real life and you sit there with your headphones on with talking to your best mates just yeah. absolutely waffling <laughs> and Nothing wrong it, with that. It, it really, it really does help. Like it does help. And that's again going back to connection, isn't it? You know that you've got this connection, and it's the thing that's going to give you what you need. I, I think in that moment, isn't it? So, and and you got and by having that thing to look forward to, it def- definitely makes it makes everything else a bit more bearable, doesn't it? You know, you can switch off in those moments where you're doing something you really, really enjoy, and you're with company you really, really enjoy, and you're in an environment that you feel safe and and happy in so but i mean that's something that's really important when it when it comes to mental health because i think a lot of people i mean at the moment brings us on to the covid pandemic and um how are you coping with that because um you know we were talking about gaming just now i mean there's only so much you can do and equally i know that you you know you've changed careers haven't you now so you're now in um i mean i wouldn't say i've changed careers yeah i've just picked up a job until my school opens back up exactly so what the one of the questions I was gonna uh, ask you was in terms of you know the, this pandemic. I mean, how has it how has it affected you? So clearly, yeah, you, you mentioned you know at the moment your jobs. I mean, I don't know. Has that been furloughed or is it is it? I oh mean, yeah, yeah, I've been furloughed. Okay, I got furloughed. So at the moment, you're so yeah, that must be hard, right? So 
how are you coping with that? Because you're a very sociable person, you you know, I know you like meeting people. We talked about earlier how you know mm-hmm. you can fit in anywhere and you don't have any issues with doing that. Do you feel that not being able to meet and do things with people is affecting you and causing um, you challenges? Maybe, and, and is it affecting your mental health in terms of your anxiety, for instance? Um, so I haven't seen any of my friends in around two or three weeks. Uh, just you know, the first couple of weeks we all knew we were busy. Um, yeah. We did plan to go uh, literally the weekend before lockdown. We did plan to go for a trip in Cardiff, right? Yeah, um, which we do every year. Um, obviously, Cardiff is was in uh, local lockdown, and um, so we weren't even, we weren't able to go. So everyone's kind of like annoyed about that. Everyone's kind of like, oh, okay, cool. Like we'll just go whenever we can. And um, it was one of those things where it was like we didn't expect it to be as bad as it was. And, um, you know, the fact that now going into another lockdown was the worst possible situation that we could have been in. Um, I feel like not just myself and my friends as well. We, we were all kind of sitting here going like, it's terrible because I, you know, I play rugby on a regular basis. I play football three times a week. So being taken away from that and, you know, that is my social kind of... Well, your lifeblood. Um, I think it's your lifeblood, well, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. So it's pretty much like any social situation I was in has now been taken away and it's kind of like I'm sitting here in my room um, or sitting with my family like doing whatever but it's not the same so I would love to be able to just go and play football with my friends yeah because it takes you out of that situation that you're in with your anxiety or your depression or whatever it may be it's just one of those things where I feel I feel like being around the right people and, and doing the right things can always help and that'll just obviously bring, yeah, and it helps you um, kind of alleviate some of that kind of, un, you know, unhappiness and that kind of the stress of it. Oh, yeah, you, and you the rest, take you know. out so much. Yeah. Like, you, can, you can genuinely enjoy yourself. I know for me, I'm finding this whole period very, very difficult. And it's because, it's again, it goes back to this thing about connection and, and talking to people and being, because they you they are so amazing in terms of not just lifting your spirits, but just having some normalcy, right? It's like, not having to think about all kinds of weird stuff, which you think, why am I thinking about Why can't I just stop thinking about it? You know, intrusive thoughts yeah. and all that kind of stuff. And then when you're with a group of people whom you feel comfortable and safe with and you can have a good chat with and just be be your real self, your real authentic self, not the, the person that's been overtaken by whether it's the, the kind of your worries in terms of your anxiety and then that's heightened or if you're feeling down and, and you're depressed... And you can't snap out, you know, not snap out of it. There's times where you, you feel like sadness maybe and that that's temporary sometimes and not always a, kind of a depressive episode. But when you've got a depressive episode, you just can't do anything. You just, you know, I, I know I'm debilitated. You fall into, you fall into a rut. Yeah, yeah, and you can't snap out of it, and you and you do eventually do lift. The gloom does lift. It might take days. Sometimes it takes weeks for me, but yeah. it does eventually lift, and then you can start doing things again. But even when um, I know I've told people I just want to be left alone, and even though they're doing their best to say, "Well, no, we want to," you no, know, we're worried about you, or they won't say they're worried about you as such, but they just you know they're reaching out, aren't they? Because they haven't heard from you in a while. They don't know what's going on with you necessarily, yeah. and, and you're kind of you kind of you don't mean to, but you kind of push them away. I I know I do that. I know I do that and I know I shouldn't and I'm learning to stop doing that because I do recognise how to manage and deal with my challenges uh, a bit better. And it sounds like you are as well and you've and but you've got a really good supportive network around you which sound and also obviously you're doing lots of physical exercise which is a great help when it comes to mental health stuff, doesn't it? Because you know, you get those endorphins and kicking in and it just starts creating a sense of well being and a sense of kind of a, a, not an artificial sense of joy but it certainly creates 
some achievement, doesn't it? You know, if you've just run all the way from uh, um, Baker Street all the way to Shepherd's Bush and you got to that kind of not even the halfway point, I think you've gone maybe three quarters of the way home and then you look back and go, bloody hell, I've just run all the way from Baker Street to here. That must yeah, give you a sense was, of achievement, doesn't it? That, it was It was kind of like, it was that thing of, I've, I've never, I mean, I've never been like, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm a sporty guy, but I, I don't like going for runs. I hate it. Yeah, it's, I hate running as ridiculous. well, I have to say. <laughs> it's, 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 it's pointless. Like, yeah. But anyway, like that, that day, I'm just like, I thought I've got to do something. And because, you know, um, the gym was closing at eight, so I wasn't going to be able to go to the gym. So I thought sure. I might as well get in some exercise before I go and, you know, do whatever I'm doing tonight. And then it was like, so I had that on my mind. I thought, do you know what? Like, I'm not feeling great. Let me get off the bus. Let me take a minute. Put my music on, blare it loud, yeah, and just jog. Yeah. It was like it was it was it was the, one of those things where I didn't even question it. It was got out, jogged, and then by the time I got to Notting Hill, I was kind of I was dead. I was half dead. Like, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Pretend I was. I'm not going to pretend I was still breathing. No, <laughs> like it was. But um, I got there and I was just like, you know what? Like that is what that distance is. I'd say maybe three three miles. I would probably four say miles. four miles, four and a half miles. Yeah. So I mean that. that well, yeah, and that, that, and and obviously, did you feel like, like you said earlier? You said, "Oh, you know, I've got well, I've already got to Notting Hill now. I'm as carrying on to Shepherd's Bush." So that sense of achievement drove you to go further, right? Positivity breeds success. It was one of the things I always stand by. Um, I feel like you can only be as positive as you feel. Dylan, it's been absolute joy talking to you, and it's a great chat. I hope the listeners enjoyed our chat as well. Lots of stuff there. We talked about in terms of our mental health and how we deal with things. Obviously, we're both different age groups. But yeah. Yeah, but, you know, thanks, Dill. I really appreciate this. Um, That's right. Anytime. Uh, so there you go, listeners. That was episode three, me having a chat with my nephew, and I hope there was uh, stuff there to help or inspire or to give you some pointers as to how to deal with certain situations. I hope that was useful. Um, if you are not in a great place and you're feeling quite distressed and you need some support, or some help and you just need someone to talk to, please do get in touch with the Samaritans in the UK. They are on 116123. If, however, you are particularly distressed and it's not a passing feeling and maybe a chat won't help please do get in touch the nhs on 111 or failing that do get in touch with your gp at the earliest opportunity they will be the best people to help and guide you to get to a better place so listeners there you go i look forward to our next chat which will be on episode four and i hope you'll join me for that as well take care all stay safe bye bye